G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Rise and Shine, Rise and shine. with Robbo and Becky on Vision. John Mackay, the creation guy, is my friend for the day. So good to have you back again, John. We've been doing this for a long time and looking forward to having uh, people call up with their questions for you today. So mm-hmm. you can call through on 1-800-316-316 if you've got a question for John Mackay. But I know, John, you've been uh, sending me uh, just a steady stream of text mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks with some pretty exciting things you've been doing, some little experiments and things you've been we, doing up at Jurassic Ark. We have indeed, and you may remember Craig, Hawkins and I came yes. in to do that substitute one when Becky was not, uh-huh. not in. Well, the good news is since then, Craig is publicly announced he's coming full-time into creation research. Oh, now, fantastic. I'll be honest, that's a real answer to my prayer because yeah. you know, I'm not exactly 45 anymore, <laughs> but it's great to have a younger man and he's well-skilled in science and all of those things. So that's praise point number one. That's wonderful. Uh, point number two, I've been sending Robbo some interesting pictures of a strange object we found mm. at Jurassic Ark and we we took quite a while to excavate the top because it seemed to be pretty fragile. It wouldn't dissolve in acid, though, so we decided to use acid to get it out. By the way, caution, caution, don't do this at home sort of warning. <laughs> <laughs> it, it can be tricky stuff. But uh, it finally did come out, and Robbo wants to know what it is. I and do. to be honest, so do I because I've cleaned the top half, and it just does look like either a squashed fruit or as one of my friends said, a big squash palm tree seed, mm-hmm. or as somebody else said a little braver, uh, perhaps it's an egg, like a reptile egg, because they're soft and don't have cracky, cracky parts, etc. Uh, or perhaps it's just a shaped bit of wood. Who mm. knows? Yeah. Uh, when I clean up the rest of it, maybe in another few days, that will be done. So all of those things are great, and I'd encourage you to keep up on creationresearch.net. Yeah, that's right. So that's where you'll see, I guess, some updates on these sorts of things and different activities that you guys are doing, events that you're holding and whatever. Yeah. So creationresearch.net. The other mm-hmm. text that you sent me was a, a curious photo, and it looked like a, I don't know, a comet or an asteroid or something that was sort of uh, falling to the earth. What was that all it about? It certainly did. Well, we got in touch with the universe and with various authorities around the planet, and I guess the selfish rejoicing point is that we seem to be the only people on the planet who photographed it, right? <laughs> That's a real, real one-up. And, of course, the second thing is I took two pictures. The first one didn't have the object in. The second one, it is streaked right the way through, and they're both dated exactly the same time, mm-hmm. right? So it was pretty fast. And then when we blew the picture up, we got two streaks, not just one trail. Mm. The first trail was very obvious, very smoky, Right. And our thoughts were meteorite, that's what the university thought too, or is it space junk? Mm. Um, Anyway, the presence of a second trail uh, almost certainly verifies it's space junk because the second trail has got smoke in it. And you may remember the pictures I've showed you were smoke all across the sky from that bushfire a Mm. week or two ago. And uh, the second one hadn't reached that bushfire smoke yet. So uh, meteorites don't usually smoke, Mm -hmm. right? They will flare and all of those things. So the one thing we know it isn't is it does not seem to be a meteorite. Number two, it definitely does seem to be a bit of space junk. Number three, it's not 
a warning about Matthew 24 where Jesus said the stars will begin to fall. So yes. I know we all want the Lord to come back, but that's not one of the signs listed space junk falling at all. So be yeah. cautious when you read Matthew 24. You don't want to read too much into those prophecies, yes, do you, right. to make it sort of fit to your yeah. uh, dates and times. So that's fascinating, though. Uh, great that you were able to capture that and I guess it then really yeah, create some conversations. And in with fact, I'll sneak in a commercial because yeah. this week we have a Saturday-Sunday seminar at Gympie Church of Christ. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk to the Church of Christ for times and dates up there, but yeah. that's next Saturday and next, uh, sorry, that's the 10th and the 11th, I think it is. Yeah, or the 9th, the 9th and 10th, and the 10th will be the, that's yeah, it. So that's this weekend. will be in Gympie this weekend. Fantastic. All right, that's great. Well, And that'll be details again at creationresearch.net. We'll be on there. Excellent. Well, check that out. If you're in or near Gympie, uh, get along to see John and the team on uh, this weekend. That'll be really worthwhile. As mentioned, we do have the phone lines open this morning. You can call through with your questions for John, 1-800-316-316. Anything to do with creation, research, theology, meteorites, you name it, uh, uh, climate change. I want to talk to you about climate change this morning. because We could even do that. Obviously, yeah. we've got lots of uh, flooding that's been going on all year around the country. So that's all the different things, really any topic at all. I've never seen John Stump, so that's your challenge this morning. See if you can stump uh, John Mackay this morning with your questions. You're 1-800-316-316. Rise and shine with Robbo and friends. On Vision. John Mackay, the creation guy, my guest for the day. And we're live on Facebook right now. We're going to do a bit of show and tell with John, which uh, we always love to do. I'm always fascinated to see what you bring, John, because, I mean, you've brought a whole... Range of different things over I the did, last time, and I love I love show and tell myself. Yeah. I'm just a big kindergarten kid. <laughs> that. That's the reality. Hey, listen, Robbo, I gave you an object mm-hmm. which I want you to hold up so that camera over there can yep. get to see it as best as possible. But in reality, folks, I'm going to start this by giving you a question. Mm-hmm. See that object, Robbo? All right, holding so up? I'm going to hold this up here. So yeah, this is it, right. you've drawn some eyes on this to I make certainly. It, it looks that. like a giraffe as a result oh, of that, but it's uh, yes, quite so amazing. The question is, what did I cook for tea last night? <laughs> because that came out of it. Wow! Uh, and who, by the way, would have been the first person to actually probably enjoy eating one of those? We'll fi- we'll finish when we get back to that <laughs> because the Bible says, "Seek first the kingdom of God, search the scriptures, know God's word." Somewhere in there, you'll find information about my bone from tea well, last night. Okay, well, we'll uh, explore that idea. I'll actually put some photos of this into the comments as well that's so that so you can good. see it more clearly. But that's uh, a fascinating. And with the eyes drawn, it looks like a little giraffe. <laughs> it's quite hilarious. So that's very cool. So I'll ch- stick some photos of that up shortly. But uh, let's keep talking, John, and okay. tell us about it. Very good. I also bought some things that I eat and I grow. Some of you know I'm a bit of a gardener, a bit of a cook, and some of you have had to eat that when you were kids. I mean, I grew up after World War II in Brisbane. There really wasn't much money. It was tough. It was enjoyable, but it was tough. And we ate tons of this stuff. It's called choco. And I grew up with chocos that had spines on them. You didn't dare eat the seat unless you wanted a mouthful of you know, prickles. And I thought it tasted terrible. Of course, the interesting thing was you sometimes got them in pies and you didn't realise it because mum had added sugar and cinnamon and you could have apple pies, you could have peach pies, you could turn them into anything you like because they themselves didn't have much flavour. Of course, now I'm bigger. Now I've grown up. Now I've learned to appreciate this for one thing. They don't have any prickles anymore. Somebody took one that had lost its prickles and it turned it back into a nice smooth skin one. Oh, and you want to know how to cook them? Any of you who are cookers, just listen carefully. Cut it into thin slices with the skin on. When it's a young bit of fruit, drop it in. Cover it with garlic-infused olive oil. Sprinkle a bit of garlic and salt on it. Mm, 
you'll find it's absolutely delicious. Well, it sounds beautiful. But you see, this one came across him in South America. See, he's a different color there, Robert. Yeah. I mean, this is the original. Yeah. And when I've grown them, the green ones are always bigger than the white ones. Yeah. Interesting. This one is not green because it hasn't got any chlorophyll. It never seems to grow as big as the other one or do as well. Interesting. And I don't think they taste as good either. But in reality, <laughs> you will find that the Chocos, oh, this one is from South America. They both are from South America, bought around the world after explorers reached South America and finally ended up in Australia. Chocos. The original one probably didn't have spines. The one we got in Australia originally did have spines. We found a way to take them off it. Uh, pretty clever. We are creative. We're made in God's image, by the way. And, of course, we... We don't really like these ones, most of us, but it's a degenerate form. It's lost its green. You see, losing things is normal. Gaining things is impossible mm. unless you put intelligence in charge. Why am I doing this? You see, just last week, The Guardian circulated a good article on do we need a new theory of evolution? I mean, I've been saying that for a long time, haven't I, Robert? <laughs> yeah. uh, and we don't need a new theory of evolution. We need to abandon it totally. Because this article, prestigious author, said, you know, evolution works, but we don't know how to explain it. And I said, that's the reason you see, it doesn't work. <laughs> um, you see, degeneration, that change is true. I mean, there's a lovely orange, tangelo, some people call them, full of juice and seeds. And there's a navel orange with no seed. Or oh, see the navel in the bottom? Some of you don't know, but that's actually a second orange that never matures. That's why when you peel it, it, it shows up little little sections right down the bottom. Navel orange, no seeds. The other orange is seeds. You can plant these easily just by putting the seed in the ground. But this one, somebody noticed in the 1700s and into the early 1800s, there was a fruit tree in South America that had mutated. It produced a fruit that had lost its seeds. Ah! Actually, good, the people don't like seeds. Yeah. You spit them out. They taste terrible. So they finally took this to Australia. Guess what year it arrived in Australia? 1788? 1824. Oh, right. Yeah. 1824. <laughs> but we didn't take advantage of it. The Californians did because it didn't get to California until the 1870s and eventually wow. it became known as the navel orange, as the Washington navel, and it just took off. It dominates the world now, a beautiful orange but it's produced not by creation, but by degenerate loss. That's why that author was oh. right. Do we need a new theory of evolution? We need to go back to the truth of creation. Yeah. You're not evolving, Robert. I mean, you're going downhill, so I'm, I'm devolving. Right. That's okay, right. Now, now, let's see if they figured out that answer. I I'm mean, not sure. Well, hold, on, hold that thing up again. The only one that's commented so far is Janelle. She says, I love chocos. So no. Oh, bless, bless her heart. <laughs> but here we go. This is the... Um, the image, if you can see it there, I, I have taken some photos, so I'll well, add them to the Facebook the comments up, shortly. Good. But you see, last night I cooked oxtail, not soup, but just oxtail stew. Mm. And that's one of the little tail vertebrae oh, out cool. of an ox. And I thought, isn't that cute? I looked at it, I thought I could cute. figure out what sort of food this was. <laughs> so the first person to probably eat that, Noah, legally. You see, Noah was given permission by God to eat meat. Nobody previously had had such permission. Mm. Whether he experimented with the tails of the two oxes he had on board, <laughs> I don't know. They didn't actually need them for reproduction. Probably weren't, flies weren't too much of a problem then. But he would have been the first. And ever since then, we found every way plus to use from the front end of the ox, the horns for glue, the hoofs for glue, and even the tail in stew. Mm. Uh, 
Interesting. Oh, stuff. there you go. Fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing that, John. That's fascinating. As mentioned, of course, uh, we are taking your calls and your questions this morning. Uh, for John Mackay, you can uh, call through 1-800-316-316. Let us know what you'd like to know, and John will answer your questions this morning. Across Australia, this is Rise and Shine. With Robbo and Friends. On Vision. John Mackay, the creation guy, is with me as well. I just reminded we've just done some show and tell a few minutes ago on Facebook, and you can see I've just added the uh, photos in the comments of that beautiful little oxtail uh, vertebrate that looks a lot like a giraffe. It's quite amazing. So check that out on Facebook. You can ask your comments there of John Mackay, or you can always call through, of course, on 1-800-316-316 with a question for John. Mari's done that. How are you going this morning, Mari? I'm well, thank you. I just want to ask John, uh, in the Bible, Jesus said there's no more floods. Why are we having floods in New South Wales? My mm, husband wants that is to a know. very good question. Okay, yeah. now if you want to know the answer to that, you need to go back and read the whole story of Noah from Genesis chapter 5, the last couple of verses where you first meet Noah. He's 500 years old, right? Uh, right. Which is some age. <laughs> but then 100 years later, uh, they are building the ark. God has judged the planet with uh, coming destruction. Then by the time you get to Genesis chapter 7 and verse 11, the flood starts. Then by the time you get to chapter 8 and chapter 9, the flood finishes. And then God gives his rainbow promise that he will never again destroy the world with such a flood. Now, one thing most people don't appreciate is the Hebrews have several words for flood, but they only have one word for Noah's flood. Why? Because even they knew about little floods. The Nile would flood. The river of the, the valley there would flood. The Jordan would flood, right? They even talk about the flood time of the Jordan. But that is a totally different word. They have a word that means just a local little flood, and they have a word that means Noah's total overall embracing world-destroying flood. Now, when you look at Jesus talking about floods and rumors of wars and things like that, he's... I mean, he knew his Hebrew better than you and I. He invented language, (laughs) right? So he's not referring to Noah's flood there, but to little floods, right? So what you'll find is we'll never again have a worldwide, all-global destroying flood. Now, the importance of that is very simple. When people who have a skeptical attitude say, well, God didn't keep his promise, we're still having floods. No, we're not. Uh, I haven't had a flood where all of Australia is covered, let alone all of Queensland, let alone all of Brisbane, and I've been here for 75 years, right? So (laughs) you'll find that there's no contradiction, but you need to know flood and flood, flood in English and flood. uh, uh, We we only have one word. Our Mm. our language is impoverished in that regard, but the Hebrews have two words, one for Noah's flood, which is never going to be repeated. God has not broken his promise, and the other one for the little floods that are regular and still will occur. Yeah. And I guess even when you see it, like it may, might be flooding, but at the same time you might see a rainbow in the sky and you can say, well, thank you, Lord, yes, that you're not going to send that global flood again. Um, yes. But, uh, yeah, we certainly do have those trials and tribulations that come and, you know, yeah. floods can be part of that. I mean, it's, it's tragic to see what's happening again in New South Wales with, sure I mean, is. what's this, the third, fourth time this third, year? I think it's the fourth um, time, fourth yeah, time. Yeah, which is just tragic. Yeah. But uh, Great question, Murray. Really appreciate your call, and uh, thanks for uh, being a part of the show today. God bless you both, brothers. You. If you've got a question for John Mackay, you can call through 1-800-316-316. We'd love to hear from you, whether it be, yeah, about some current events that we're seeing take place. You want uh, John to interpret that for us, or uh, maybe another question about uh, Genesis or whatever the case may be. Give us a call. We'd love to hear 1-800-316-316.
That's 1-800-316-316 with your questions for John Mackay, the creation guy. Across Australia, this is Rise and Shine with Robbo and Friends on Vision. John Mackay, the creation guy, is with me this morning and we're taking your calls and your questions on 1-800-316-316. I just want to pick up on... Uh, Mari just rang earlier, John, and mm-hmm. asked about the flooding that's happening in New South Wales and just clarifying about you know the fact the Bible said there will be no more floods after Noah. Um, but I want to just talk a bit about that more generally, I guess, in terms of climate change. I mean, obviously, there's lots of talk about climate change at the moment. There's you know massive global decisions being made. I mean, we're you know having to pay like as you know, countries paying enormous amounts of money uh, for you know the emissions that we're doing, all this sort of stuff, and it's all linked. I guess this whole general concept of climate change, and even uh, you know, I've seen recently an insurance ad where they talk about you know the weather's becoming more severe, mm-hmm. and it's kind of you know this illusion that oh this must this is all you know because of climate change. So I'm keen to find out from you, like how do you take climate mm-hmm. change? Like would you sort of you know regard yourself as a climate change skeptic, or you know, where does it all where does it all fit? Okay, general warning about how science or even thinking or philosophy works. Um, I mentioned before an article from The Guardian uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a show and tell on our YouTube program. By the way, fact, folks want to see the whole of that, they can go to creationresearch.net and click on our YouTube and see two hours of discussion oh, on fantastic. what was wrong with that article because it's the same thing mm-hmm. that I see as a weakness with climate change. Here's how the article went. Basically, uh, evolution has been here since Charles Darwin. We all know it works. Yep. Trouble is, we don't know how, when, where, or why. Right? <laughs> we need a new theory of evolution. Yep. Think, well, if you don't know how, when, where, or why, you don't know nothing. That's right. right. And the one thing they were making sure you didn't think was that you had to come up with an answer that wasn't evolution. It wasn't even in the thinking. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, there can't be an intelligent mind behind it or anything exactly like that. Right. Yep. So, that was all ruled out. Yep. Now, the same is true of climate change. The fact that, you know, when people saw big windmills being bought, they all said, this is wonderful. Now I've discovered 20 years on, we have to bury the blades because we can't recycle them. Mm. And you think, hang on, how much did we just bury? Yes. How much did it save us? Uh, something's wrong somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a marketing ploy. It works really well, whether it's insurance companies. So take all of those things into consideration. Now, I'm also 75 years of age, right? So I've seen a lot of climate. And I also know that climate does do cycles. Mm-hmm. And I know that because, A, God's blessed me with a good memory. And, B, I remember the first time it rained on me, old tin roof, uh, yes. uh, when I was six or seven, and it was just delightful. Yeah. Right? And then it didn't really rain again like that for another seven years. Now, it was much, much later I discovered seven-year cycles are real in nature. It was much, much later when I came across our Australian best long-term weather broadcaster my mum thought he was wonderful my dad sort of even though dad was an atheist thought this guy could tell you what the weather was going to be in 20 years time yeah. and he really could because he died in 1956 right and yet his weather broadcasts were actually featured on channel 7 in 2011 because it said this man predicted it in 2008 wow. it would start to rain again yeah. 2009 2011 there'll be major floods Right. Well, <laughs> he was the local Bible reader in the Anglican church up at Caboolture. Wow. Right? And, and he, he died like, what, 60 years yeah, before? he died 60 years before wow. this. That's right? And he based his weather broadcasting on what all the planets were doing. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, you've got to give him his credit. He really was good. His, his accuracy was far better. Yeah. And his basic philosophy was there is a God. He did create. 
if we can find out his laws, yeah. we'll understand the weather better because na- nature works by laws. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was his philosophy and it definitely worked. Yeah. Um, but he would use the planets and where they were. Now, in this last week, I've been sort of looking at the that falling object. Mm-hmm. And one paper I came across is very interesting. There are now storms up where we have the satellites. Oh, right. right? And you think, hang on. I remember years ago, people like Piers Morgan and a few of these others saying the pl- weather on the planet is now the same as the weather on Mars. If we go up, it goes up. And you think, mm-hmm. there's no physical connection. It's got to be outside. And now they're saying more satellites are being dragged down because of storms up in this uh, geostationary. Okay. I thought, wow, that's interesting. That's fascinating. It's not just the stuff on the Earth that is going to make it flood in Sydney or whatever. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> if you really want to understand Australia's weather, then have a look at the map. Look where the clouds are now in that nice 45-degree angle just about from west of Broome down to southern part of Australia. Yeah. Now, that moves up and down. Right, yeah. Have a look. Keep a track. I do these things, right? And if it moves up to the north, we get floods in in northern Queensland. And because of our interest in Jurassic Arc in floods, right, we followed that that wet season down Mm. as it went from Cairns to Maribyrnong to Jurassic Arc to Brisbane and right the way down because that band moved down. Mm. So wherever that band is determines now as to what controls that band. No, we can't even make clouds appear to our will let alone make them do what we think they're going to do. So I caution people to never leave God, who is the inventor of weather, out of this. Yes, Uh, I I say that because I'm one of these who, when I first became a Christian, it was such a change in me that I was on a beach mission, right? Mm -hmm. And I couldn't hear the speaker. I was up the back, you know, reaching out to kids on the beach, great stuff. And I said, oh, Lord, we need a change here so that these kids can't hear either. Send a wind to make the, you know, and all of a sudden, Oh, uh, well. And God demonstrated to me personally yeah. that he is in charge of the weather. That's amazing. And our, our nation needs to bow before him mm-hmm. and humble ourselves and say, oh, Lord of the weather. Yeah. We used to do that, mm. right? We need rain. Lord, send rain. We pray for it, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, we've forgotten to do and that. And I guess that's the big thing with climate change, isn't it? That we're making ourselves God. We're saying we're creating this change. We're creating yeah. this you know, what's exactly going on right. in the world, yeah. and so it really elevates man, yeah. and you know, obviously, as you say, puts God out of We're the picture fix it and charge you for it. Yeah, that's right, exactly. Yeah, fascinating. Well, thank you for sharing that. Look, if you get a question for John Mackay, jump in, give us a call 1 800 316 316. We'd love to hear from you. John's going to be here for another hour and a bit yet, so call through 1 800 316 316. Rise and shine. On Vision Christian Radio. It's Robbo with you and my friend John Mackay, the creation guy, is here as well. We're asking uh, John all the questions this morning. You can call through with your questions on 1-800-316-316. And Michael's given us a call. How are you going this morning, Michael? I'm good, thanks. That How are good. you? Yeah, very well, thank you. got a question for John Mackay? Yes. Now, in the Bible, Adam and Eve, the first mention they have of having children is, uh, I mentioned Cain and Abel. Mm-hmm. And they don't mention that either of them got married or had any children. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, when uh, Cain killed Abel, um, God uh, reprimanded him and put a mark on him. To, so, and he was going to send him to a foreign land where those people there would see the mark and know that he was a murderer. Uh, now, where did those people come from? Okay. If you go to Genesis chapter 5, you find it says mm-hmm. Adam and Eve 
had sons and daughters, right? In a, oh, okay. I must have, yeah, Most of us miss it. It's hidden in Genesis chapter 5, verse 4, if you want to use yeah. hidden as the right word. But oh, they, they had Cain yeah. and Abel, and they had other sons and daughters after Seth, right? Yeah. So Cain killed Abel, so that's one down there. But you've got to remember in Genesis chapter 4, which is the story uh, of Cain and Abel, uh, you start out yeah. by Adam and Eve giving birth, or Eve giving birth anyway, and then all of a sudden they're shepherds. So in those two verses, there's at least 20 years or so that you've skipped, and no reference oh, to the it? other family. Oh. Yes, because they, they are now out looking after their sheep or going to search for food. So they're adults yeah. at least sort of 17, 18 years of age, and Cain is obviously big yeah. enough to probably hit, up a, uh, hit his brother on the head with a rock strong enough to kill him. Yeah. Um, but then mm. it says Cain takes his wife, right? So if you read through the story, Cain takes his wife and oh, he leaves and he goes. So, again. Yeah. yeah, so you've got the whole story is in there. We have trouble with it because we typed, we read history A through to Z, right? In Hebrew, yeah. you read it A, B, A, B, A, B, A, B. So you get the other side in chapter oh, 2 of Genesis oh, yeah. 1, the other side in yeah. Genesis 6 and 5. Right, and so you find that yeah. that pattern repeats itself over and over again. So trust that's helpful. If you go to yeah. creationresearch.net, click on our fact file, I think you'll find there's a whole se- series on those sort of questions. Yeah. Okay, good on you, yeah. mate. Thanks so much for the call, Michael. Great to hear oh, from well, you. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, God bless. Thanks, John. God bless you, mate. Cindy's given us a call this morning. What's your question for John, Cindy? Um, how can they create a whole dinosaur, you know, a new one that they haven't um, dug up before, from a toe? How can they know the whole body shape and if it had feathers or scales, you know, from a toe? Mm, that's a great question. <laughs> well, if you've been trained at university for many, many years and you've left university and you're desperate for reputation, it's amazing what you can do with a toe bone. Uh, but then again, as to the facts, that's something totally different. So forgive my sarcasm, <laughs> but in reality, uh, it, one of the biggest problems with finding a single bone and then trying to turn it into something is how much imagination you do need. Um, in the case of human beings, this is a lot more important than, say, with dinosaurs. But the most ludicrous example we've come across is the reconstruction of some of the humanoids or humanids, if you want to call them that, in Africa, where you found a toe bone and an ankle bone and leg bones in three different locations, you put them together. Now, for the toe to keep walking after the other creature has died 27 kilometres away <laughs> is a little little taxing on the imagination. Now, I stretch the truth there, but in reality, that's what's done with some of our famous uh, Lucy-type mm. creatures, etc. So uh, beware of ex- enthusiastic imagination and, as the Scripture says, test all things, only keep the things that are true because those things will glorify God. Now, when it comes to a dinosaur, we know a lot about dinosaurs because some of them are actually found whole. We even have mummified dinosaurs, right? It was buried quickly. It was preserved. Its tissues have dried out in the mud, right? The whole creature's there, same as we have fossilized fishes with their guts and their eggs intact. I have them in my collection, right? Uh, But if you only have one bone, unless you already have that same bone in another whole skeleton, you, you deserve a full mark for imagination, but very mm. little for integrity. Uh, so that, the, you've asked a good question, and you need yep. to, uh, to actually uh, push it to others and say, well, how do you actually know this? They don't. Mm. Yeah, good, good point. Thank you so much for the call, okay. Cindy. It's great to, uh, great to hear from you again. 
Okay, bye. If you've got a question for John Mackay, give us a call 1-800-316-316. That's 1-800-316-316. It's Rise and Shine with Robbo and Friends on Vision. Robbo with you and John Mackay, the creation guy, is with me and we're asking you to call through with your questions for John. You can ring 1-800-316-316. That's what Jack's done. What's your question for John, Jack? The question is, how do I answer a Muslim when they say God can never die and Jesus died? And I was thinking um, they're referring to the verse, obviously they're trying to use scripture um, against us, our own Bible, but I think they're trying to refer to 1 Timothy 6.16, but... I looked at it, and the King James doesn't actually say that, so I'd love to hear John's thoughts on that. Okay. Now, of course, the one of the biggest contentions is that our concept or their concept that Allah and God are the same thing, right? Now, you have mm-hmm. to first of all deal with that if you want to get anywhere with a Muslim because your Scripture tells you that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the Scripture also says that Jesus abandoned his divine prerogatives, abandoned his Godhead, and became a man, right? So as much mm. as it's always referred to as a mystery, it really is. I mean, how does a divine, eternal, all-powerful God strip himself uh, of Godheadness and humble himself and become a man and then die as a man? He couldn't die as a God because then he wouldn't have died for us. Only a man can die for a man because God's rule is eye for eye and tooth for tooth. So as much as it's a mystery to you, it's even more of a mystery to the Muslim, but you have to take it from that perspective that, listen, your God, Allah, and the God in the Old Testament and the New Testament are not the same. Now, they won't like you doing that because they want to think they've got a superior God, but in reality, your God in the Scriptures is one who's defined totally as Father, Son, and Spirit, and it's his behavior can only be understood once you communicate God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you see that even in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Oh, sorry, that's John chapter 1. I did that because that's a good <laughs> connection, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then it says God said. And then it says the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the water. So God who is God, the absolute, plus God who speaks plus God, who is a spirit, are all there even in Genesis mm. chapter 1. Yeah. And you'll find even when you look at the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah, what is it, chapter 62, where it talks about God giving his Holy Spirit to his people, right? And so there you find God as Father and as Spirit. Mm. Uh, and you also find Moses at the, um, you know, at the, the feast with the 70 elders. It said God came down and walked among them and nobody died. Yeah. So obviously there's at least two of them there. There's God, the Father, who if you see you will die, mm-hmm. and then there's God who speaks with you, who comes down as a man, and so you do not die. Yeah. As much as that's a mystery to us, don't run away from the mystery, but explain that to them because that's where it, the difference really is. Mm. Uh, I've traveled with Muslim taxi drivers in London from Heathrow, and it, the reality is we know more about the Quran usually than they know about our Bible, and we should know more about our Bible than mm. they do. But there's no other solution that I know of apart from stressing the nature of God, who is Father, Son, and Spirit. Yeah, that's a good point. It was interesting, actually. We had a baptism service at church on the weekend, and I was re- reflecting on the fact that you've got the Trinity there as well mm. in the baptism. You know, Jesus yep. was being baptized. The Holy Spirit yep. came down like a dove, and the, the Father spoke. Yep. So you see the Trinity there in, in that example as well. So... And look, that's a great question, Jack, and I appreciate it. And look, 
I pray a blessing on you, mate, as you continue to interact yeah. with this uh, individual and yeah. potentially others as well, uh, that you'll have God's yeah. wisdom. Because it is a challenge, isn't it, to sort of know how to navigate some of these uh, mm. you know, uh, very tricky questions that will crop up. So thanks so much for the call today. Yeah. Thank you. God bless. You can call through. We've got uh, just a few minutes left, so jump in quickly. If you want to uh, ask a question of John Mackay, you can call 1-800-316-316. Rise and shine with Robbo and friends on Vision. My friend John Mackay, the creation guy, is here this morning. And another question coming up in a second from Tom. But, uh, John, we mentioned yeah. about half an hour ago about the uh, need for a venue in Broken Hill, and we I believe you've had a... Indeed, we've just had an interesting response from someone who says... I've got to be in Adelaide on the 24th. Can you please come back another time? Please, please, please <laughs> do your talk at Impact Church. Well, I'm sorry that uh, we don't have that date arranged yet, but if anybody in Broken Hill, our venue on the afternoon has fallen through mm-hmm. Sunday the 24th, even if Impact Church wants to put something on yeah. that afternoon, just get in touch with us. Let us know because it's only two weeks away or That's so, right. three weeks, yeah. whatever it is, yep. and and rearranging venues can be pretty hard stuff. So it's, yeah. we'll be at the Church of Christ in the morning mm-hmm. and we'll be at Cobar the week before, Cobar okay. Baptist, so it'll oh, be a great time as well. Fantastic. And homeschoolers and you name it. So. Yeah, okay. That's great. So Cobar, that'll be, what's that, uh, the 17th? Yep, uh, 17th of July and then the 24th in Broken Hill, but yep. yeah, potentially... Still looking for a venue in the afternoon in, in Broken Hill. So let uh, John know if uh, you can help out with that. Uh, jump onto creationresearch.net to get the contact details. But, uh, yeah, if you're in Cobar or Broken Hill, make sure that you, you do get out and see John uh, while he's in town. But we are taking your calls this morning. We're rapidly running out of time, but uh, Tom's called through with a question. Uh, Tom, what's your question for John? Yeah, listen, I, I'm, I'm a dinky guy creationist, but uh, I was just wondering if John's ever heard of um, the term instantaneous evolution? Um, Usually evolution is not instantaneous, but there came a a few specialists who were acknowledging things like when we first see a creature appear in the rock record, it appears to remain stable from that point on. Now, sometimes this instantaneous stuff is associated with the theory of stasis, um, a stasis meaning that once it appears it's stable but we have no explanation for how it got here uh, another term you'll come across is sort of instant monsters or uh, they, they just appeared uh, they didn't take time to evolve or else they appear that they didn't take time to evolve because there's no fossil record of them either way you should admit that the article in the Guardian was right we need a new theory of evolution. In fact, we need it replaced with the truth about creation. So, yes, it does happen out there. It has very little popularity, even amongst the evolutionists, because if you can have instantaneous evolution, what's the difference in that and creation? Mm. Yeah, that's it just, right. just exactly. doesn't happen. Right? Yeah. So that's why it would be rejected over and over again. Yeah, good point. Yeah, the, the, the background be- behind my question was... Um, I was in Townsville many years ago, I think it was late 80s, and um, a professor from JCU, he um, had been studying frogs, and um, in describing the gastric brooding frog, Mm -hmm. he said it was an example of instantaneous evolution. He, He was very specific to point out that that meant instantaneous, you know, not just some yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about it. I know the professor you're talking about, but in reality, what he was trying to do was say, you can't evolve this one bit of spit at a time. 
So yeah. you take one baby in your mouth and think, oh, that, that tastes good, so you swallow it. And then all of a sudden you get conscience stricken, the next one hops in your mouth, and you go, well, I better, better not eat this. Then you eat it halfway through anyway. And finally, after hundreds of thousands of years, you think it's a good idea as a frog to have your babies in your mouth because the other toads have started to eat them. Now, any, any of that step-by-step stuff simply doesn't work. It has to be all there at once mm. or it's not there at all. And the case of the, the gastric frog is certainly a brilliant example of the fact that it can't be explained slowly. Mm. But if it can't be explained slowly, you're back where we started from. What came first, the chicken or the egg? The answer is the chicken because God said so. Right? <laughs> There's no other way it can happen. Yeah. So that's, that's what you have to do. So you need to be careful with some of these newer theories which are termed evolution when in reality they are the, the, the definition of evolution is self-denying. And you must point that out to these people because mm. they want to keep evolution, uh, but they have to go back to the truth of God as creator. Yeah, interesting. Hey, thanks for the call, Tom. Great to hear from you and appreciate your question. No worries. All right, let's try to squeeze in a couple more calls before we run out of time. Shelby's given us a call this morning. What's your question for John, Shelby? I have a couple of questions. The first question is, I was listening to Pastor Greg Laurie uh, in an earlier, but he said uh, Rome was never, ever defeated um, and... I'm curious to know how many wars Rome did have in in either biblical time um, or not. But the other question that I had was, when was the Roman Catholic, um, the papal state, uh, formed? Uh, I've got a couple of dates here, but I'm not certain. Uh, one was 30 CE and one was 590 CE. But I'm curious to know what the CE stands for <laughs> as well. <laughs> okay, to take the first part of your question... The history of Rome is fairly complicated, going from independent states, right, to which you end up getting a bully of an amalgamation that finally takes over the lot. Now, that's the one that most people think of as the normal Roman start of the system, right? You, you move from the Republic to, uh, to the Caesars and all sorts of things, so you need a fairly in-depth knowledge of the history of Rome because every step is usually a fight, or a battle, mm. um, you know, for the tribes to be, become finally one united tribe, and then they develop the philosophy. Well, we don't mind whoever is a Roman as long as you do as you're told. In your own time, you can be what you want. Now, this sort of multi-religion empire was very successful because it only had one politics: do as you're told, or we kill you. Uh, apart from that, you can do what you want. Right? <laughs> and uh, so even a slave could rise to incredibly high heights in the Roman Empire by fitting in in that particular way. They did have several other fights that occurred uh, because towards the end, you know, Anthony and Cleopatra and, and Egypt versus Rome, there's all, all sorts of fights that are going on, some of which make great stories, others which are totally bizarre. But uh, it's worth checking up on that because built into this, is the overlap of the Roman Empire dying with the rise of the Roman theology ascending. Right Now, you, you, you can't avoid that situation. Paul went to Rome for one reason. A, God had called him to go, and B, he was called to go because that was the head of the empire. Mm. If you wanted to influence anyone, you went to the head. So you find many missionaries use the same technique. They went to the Philippines. They went to somewhere. They looked up the head of the tribe, and they worked on him. Right, And often, if you go to the head of the family, then if he gets saved, many of the people under him will get saved. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. 
don't go out reaching for children, reach out to the fathers. All right? mm. That's been a traditional, okay. really good way of winning the whole family. If you try with the kids, the dads really become Christians. Okay, so going back, you'll find there is no one single date where you can really recognise the amalgamation of Roman philosophy with Christian theology to become the actual Roman Catholic Church. Um, you see, the word Catholic simply means universal. So you'll even find that in the Westminster Confession, right? Mm. We believe in the Holy Catholic Church. It's, 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 it's not a word that's associated even with Rome originally. But the Roman Catholic Church is the, the, the worldwide church based on eventually those who took over in Rome, and you'll find it's hard to pin down an original date. You even get messed up with a couple of popes here and there, one in France, one <laughs> over in Rome, and there's a fight on between the two of them. So you, you will find it's a hard... Uh, question to actually pin down an answer and hence don't get sidetracked into the nature of the church at any one time because you'll even find that uh, you know Charles Wesley's church uh, sorry John Wesley's church has just started uh, marrying homosexuals mm. right so Ooh, yeah. he's got nothing to do John Wesley's got nothing to do John Wesley was a godly man he would have been horrified so concentrate on Jesus and his word no matter what era you are working in. The Catholic Church has nowhere near the power it used to have, right? And that's probably a really good thing. And just make sure you don't get that sort of power of it because it goes to our heads. Yeah, that's right. It really so does. We yeah. sinners have trouble with absolute <laughs> yeah. power. So concentrate on Jesus, give him the glory and power, and share his gospel with people of whatever denomination you come across because they all need Jesus, not not the church structure. Yeah, good point. Yeah. So just quickly then to answer yeah. the other question, CE, what does that stand for when you uh, talk CE, about that? CE is a largely Jewish attempt to get rid of BC and AD. Yeah. Uh, so AD, it stands for common era, doesn't it? Is yeah, it? it stands for common era. So BCE means sort of, uh, if you said 200 BCE, 200 years before the Christians. Yeah. Right now, it's a little bit wobbly because... They were first called Christians in Antioch, the Bible says. Yeah. But that's not when Jesus was born, mm. whereas B.C. and A.D. refer to the birth of Jesus Christ. So there's obviously a difference. It's a political difference. They're trying to push C.E., even the archaeologists, because it gets rid of the acknowledgement of the coming of God as the man, Jesus Christ. So mm. that's what you and I need to concentrate on. Refuse to bow down to the C.E. system. <laughs> hey, that's a hint to you university students and, and uh, you know advisors and counsellors and all of that, yeah. get back to the real truth when Jesus was born. That's the only place to start your calendar. Yep, fantastic. Well, thanks so much for the call, hey, Shelby. Great to hear from you. Thank you. A great way to start your day. Rise and shine with Robbo and friends on Vision. Just about time to wrap things up with uh, John Mackay today, but we've got uh, time for one more question. And Andrew's called through with that question. What's your question for John? Um, I've just had, it's becoming maybe a more talked about topic um, recently. And just wanting to get John's perspective, I think I, I know, but some reasons why, uh, just regarding Flat Earth. I know a few people have sort of mentioned they're getting on the, the bandwagon. Um, so just his thoughts on why it's not possible or um, how that doesn't really fit biblically, if he's happy to comment on that. Sure, very happy to comment on that. The scripture says, test everything, only keep the things that are true. So if you have to spend a lot of time in the bush or on the water uh, or flying, uh, then there's a several things you actually do discover. One is that if you start out with a flat map and you pencil the line between Brisbane and Augustella or something like that, and you ignore all the road signs but follow your map, follow your flat line, 
you will find you won't get there because a flat line only works on a flat planet, on a flat Earth, right? And not even the Sahara Desert is flat. Not the outback plains of Australia are flat. You will find you have to do what the sailors had to invent. Ultimately, they had to draw a great circle map uh, in which your line going from A to B, which is technically a straight line between the two, you could only get there if you assumed there was a curve you had to negotiate. Now, please don't just trust my word. Uh, go and sail across the sea where you don't have any street signs and aim for Los Angeles, right? And you will find you won't get there. I mean, my pilot friends tell me that they have to learn how to navigate using great circle uh, lines mm. and things like that because the earth actually is curved. And it's not curved yeah. because when you look out the window, the, the window is curved. I mean, I've heard Christians say that. It's, that's a silly explanation, and it's easy to prove wrong. But most of these people will not do as I've asked them to. They won't actually go and run a test. Now, you, you, your test could even be to go to the other side of Stradbroke Island and come back to the same place. If you try travelling in a perfectly straight line and keeping accurate, accurate records, you'll end up in a different place. Um, that's the way yeah. the world is right. and you have to actually do it that way otherwise you're not being biblical test everything only keep the things that are true and as popular as that's become the flat earth it's so easy to prove wrong and it's one of these sidetracks that many christians get involved in because it looks as if it's following scripture but in the end you'll be laughed at mm. and unfortunately when we make mistakes take it from my own word experience when we make mistakes god gets blamed yeah that's uh, right that's yeah. the real issue are there any scriptures? Because I know that there's scriptures that talk about, you know, the um, the earth hanging in space and things like that. Are there scriptures that talk about or allude to the fact that uh, the earth is round? Uh, you will find there are quite a few that uh, use words like circle and things like that. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the immediate retort is, well, you can have a circle on a flat piece of paper, <laughs> yeah. uh, right? But at least still the edge is curved on the circle, yeah. right? Uh, there are none that absolutely by themselves, uh, unless you already know, mm -hmm. um, you, could, you could say that's got interpretation A or interpretation B. But he hangs the earth on nothing. Yeah. Um, and, and if you want to be almost absurd... So if you believe the earth is flat, what's on the other side? There has to be something, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, it, it ends up being illogical. And the, the trouble is the non-Christian sees it faster than the Christian who's predetermined to pr prove his point. Yeah. And, and it's like so many things that if a, if a group has a particular preference uh, for keeping a day of the week, you'll find when you go there, the questions they ask you will be about the, that day of the week. They will be absolutely besotted with that question mm. uh, instead of saying, what about Jesus? What, what day did he die? Yeah. What day did he rise from the dead, etc.? And, and talk about what the days God made were for. Mm. So be careful you don't get sidetracked mm. yeah. into a particular doctrine as your key structure. Excellent. Well, great uh, question, Andrew. Thank you so much for the call and uh, appreciate you uh, being part of the program. Yeah, thanks for that. It's been so good uh, getting these questions in for John. As always, we've run out of time to get them all uh, this morning. Uh, the last-minute flurry, that, that always happens, John. But uh, we will. we've will. we had a few conversations during the songs, and we will uh, include all of them in the podcast. So I will podcast this later today, and uh, we'll uh, include all the different questions in the mm -hmm. podcast. So you can mm -hmm. check it out there. Um, but just quickly before you go, John, of course, you've mentioned a couple of things coming up. You've got yep. Cobar, uh, Broken right. Hill. I'm in uh, Cobar for five days, mm -hmm. and we've got homeschooling and things oh, like that. Oh, brilliant. 
and uh, then I'll move on to Mount, uh, sorry, Broken Hill, and we've got that Sunday afternoon glitch there. So if you want yep. to, in, info at creationresearch.net if you're interested. And uh, the Impact Church, whose member has to go to Adelaide that weekend, <laughs> uh, contact us for sure and let us know. I'll also be in Adelaide. You'll be like ships in the night with whoever yeah, that I was. Know, there. <laughs> uh, I'll be in Adelaide for a Wednesday homeschool field okay. trip. Uh, right, they need to ask us. That's the Wednesday, next next Wednesday, actually. Okay. So they can contact us about the details there. And again, just reminding you that this coming weekend, Saturday and Sunday, home here in Queensland at Gimpy Church of Christ, Saturday Brilliant. and Sunday morning. So join you there or yeah. get in touch if you've got any way of helping us replace that meeting or you want another meeting somewhere. That's right. Yes, if you've got uh, yeah, something you want John to come and speak at, you'd be welcome to get in touch. So creationresearch.net is the best place to go. That's got, obviously, event details, but also mm-hmm. contact details if you want to find out more about uh, some things that you'd like John to be a part of. Uh, so creationresearch.net. John, thanks again. It's always a pleasure having you in, and your wealth of knowledge is uh, very much appreciated. So thanks for responding to all the questions today. But I won't be coming running with you. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. I'll leave you at that. That's fine. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.